Uh, my name is Chris Murphy. I'm glad to see you guys. So many new faces. So many, I'm not going to say old faces. So many experienced faces. I don't know. A lot of people I know. A lot of people I don't. But I'm glad you're here. Um, I have the gift of being able to stand up here every week with a microphone and kind of walk through this thing with y'all. Um, I'm not some scholar. I mean, everybody that knows me is like, that's a truth. I don't know a lot of things, but what I do know is that I want to know him, the author of this book, in a deeper way. And so I just get the gift of getting to stand up here with you while I'm doing the same thing you're doing. We're doing homework every week. We're talking about it. It's going to be fun. Um, before I get started, let me pray, and then I'll share with you a little bit about, you see, we have a little outline up there, but we'll kind of walk through a couple of things before we dismiss you to your small groups, okay? So pray with me. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we are thankful. Um, Lord, it's so cool when we get all these different faces and all these different backgrounds and all these different stories in one room. It's like, God, it's cool. Um, thank you that we're different. Thank you that we all have something to bring to the table, and that when we leave here in 11 weeks, all of us that are sitting here right now that may not know each other well, we're going to walk out with a new understanding of who you are because of the girl sitting to our left and our right. Thank you that you use us when you don't have to use us, God, to teach us about who you are. Thank you that you left us your word, the true word, inspired by you, not just written by some guys. It's overwhelming that, that we even have this opportunity. So, Father, we don't take it lightly, and we pray right now that you are in this room and that you keep everyone focused and awake and, 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 and excited about what's coming um, because it's all about you, Father. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the leadership here. And um, we thank you that we get this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Don, I did shush her. Where are you? I shushed you. <laughs> I shushed. Um, for those of you that have done our Bible studies before, if you flip through your book, it's a little different. Don't flip through your book. Don't you do it. I'm watching you. I can see every one of your faces. Don't you do it right now. We're going to get there. But before we open that book up, however, no, I want to change that. Do not. Everybody got one, right? Everybody got a pen? You know what I'm going to say, right? Put your name in the inside cover right this minute because you will forget and you'll do your homework and you'll be so sad because they all look very similar. They're identical. Okay. <laughs> Write your name down and then, uh, and then we're going to get going. When you go to your small group, your small group leader will share her name and her contact information. Text her in the middle of the night. Text her emojis. Oh, because she loves that. No, don't do that. That's real cool, uncool. But what, but what is cool is that you're going to have a person, and Don referred to them as your shepherd, and we love that term because it's such this beautiful picture of what that small group leader is going to be for you. And she's going to be praying for you whether you like it or not. She's going to be praying for you and wanting to know what's going on in your world, and she's available to you. So you can text her emojis if you want, but I would recommend you just text her and let her know if you're going to be here, if you're going to be late, if you have certain prayer requests, because she's here for you. She's your lifeline. Hey, and on that note, who is a small group leader or a sub? Raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. Raise your hand. Okay, they're your very best friends in the whole world right now, okay? You see them? They're your very best friends. They all have cute little name tags on. I forgot mine, um, but that's who they are. All right, did everybody write their name in their book? Got it. Okay, cool. I wanted to start out a little differently um, to keep some of you awake who have been here before. No, uh, it, was, it was a weird thing this summer. God kind of, Don and I laugh how every, how he throws together these Bible studies in this God show-offy way that we just get to be a part of, right? It's so cool. But when we were talking about what is it that we get to 
go into in the fall? What are we going to study in the spring? What are we going to do? And it's like, it's so cool how God makes it all kind of come together. Who, anybody do the summer study, the armor of God? Awesome. You guys are all teaching on the last week of class. Is that cool? I had no idea. I might have known. I kind of forget things, but I didn't know that you guys were going to study the armor of God, which is in chapter six of what we're studying. And then I told Dawn, I'm like, oh no, I feel like God wants me to teach Ephesians. And you know what she said? That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Because now you guys have this armor of God knowledge. And for those of us that didn't do the study, we're excited to hear about your perspective, right? But now we're going to look at the whole book, a whole letter written by a guy that that is so interesting. He's going to blow your mind. And we're going to read the entire thing from the first word to the very last word. But what's interesting is in the summertime, whenever I started thinking about what are we going to teach, man? What are we going to do? And God kind of kept, kind of made it clear Ephesians was a thing. And so, okay, cool, Ephesians is a thing. And then the next thing that happened was um, I went to Colorado, which, you know, we all got to get out of the heat a little bit, right? So I went to Colorado, and if you've been in the Bible studies before, you know I talk about my, I have some, I have a crazy brother, and he's a mountain man. He lives in the mountains, and uh, some of you have met him, and you know, he's, he's a mountain guy. But this is what's funny. As I'm, as I'm this summer, as I'm putting together these books that you have in your hand, I get to hang out with my crazy mountain brother. And we're walking along his property, and he lives on a mountain. And one of the things he was doing is he was moving all these rocks, and he was cutting down all these trees, and he had a lot of physical work to be done on his property. And so he was showing my husband and my, my kid and I, he was kind of going, this is what I'm doing over here, and this is, well, let's go down another acre, and this is what I'm doing over here. And we get to this one spot on his property, and he's got this red spray-painted arrow, like fully, guys, like on the ground, like on the rocks. It's this arrow, it's this long. I should have taken a picture of it. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I know you're crazy, but like, what's this thing? Like, why, dude, why is there an arrow spray-painted on the rocks? And you know what he said? It's true north. And I'm like, well, okay, that's cool and everything, but why did you spray-paint true north? He's like, number one, I always have to know where it is when I'm working, because when I'm cutting down trees or when the snow's melting and I'm moving rocks, I need to know where the sun sets. I need to know where the sun rises. I need to know where true north is because it affects the work that I'm doing in my day-to-day life. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And he goes, and here's the thing. I can spray paint it on granite rock because true north never changes. I'm like, oh. And so then I started thinking, last night we were talking about parking and everything, right? We're standing up there and we're like, if you come in this door, you can park to the right or to the left. And, and it dawned on me, you know, we all need true north because I can give you directions to something, but depending on where I'm standing, if I tell you to turn left or turn right or, or, or if I use a landmark that might change, you're going to have different directions that you're going. Your path is not always going to be the same, right? True north is what sets us. Whenever you read about cardinal directions, which of course I did after my brother was like, you got to know true north, man. I'm like, okay. Well, whenever you read about it, it's like true north has to be set, and then you can determine where west, east, south is. So my question as I was going through Ephesians is like, what is my true north? You know, in my life, like what is the thing that never changes, that I could spray paint in granite, and it will never change depending on the circumstances, depending on the seasons, depending on what's going on? And so I thought, you know, that's a weird way to start Bible study, but I want to ask you that. I want you to put that in your book. What is my true north? Because we can all say the Sunday school answer. Amen? You're all like, Jesus is my true north. I don't know about y'all. I don't know that I live that way all the time. Right? And so 
as you start to open up God's word, and Paul, like you're gonna, you're gonna love slash, I don't know what you're gonna think about Paul. He's cool though, he's very interesting. We're gonna talk about him for the next couple weeks and that's gonna be fun. But I want you to remember this. What you believe about this book matters, okay? I don't know who's here. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your relationship is with this. I know some of us have been hit over the head with it, right? I hope, I hope not literally. Some of us have been beaten down by this thing, and some of us are like, we kind of have these weird feelings about it when we approach it. And then some of us, like, it saved our lives, and we love it. But this is what I want you to think about as we're, as we're heading into this, this whole study, and we're talking about True North, and I want you to know this. What this is, this is not to be worshipped. Amen? It's the God of this word that is to be worshipped. And here's the thing. The beautiful thing about this book right here is that this was written by a whole bunch of guys and girls, but it was inspired by the God of creation. Okay? He wrote this. He's our true north. I say, I've said for a while, I've been a believer since I was 15 years old, but you know what? I, I didn't always know him since I was 15 years old. And so I say I believe this. Well, how do you believe it, Chris? You got to open it and figure out what God says in it about him, right? And that's what you're doing. So I want to I tell you, first of all, the fact that you're even here, the fact that you're choosing to do that is just epic. It's unbelievable. It's like you're spray painting an arrow in the rock. So as we go through this, I want you to think about that question. Is this my true north? Am I seeking him to be my true north, the thing that never changes? Before we move into um, the background of the book a little bit, I'm going to tell you a little bit about, I was shushing her, because I want to tell you a little bit about how the class is going to work. It's going to look a little tiny bit different. Don't open your books. I will hurt you. I can see you, everyone. So fun. It's like a Christmas present. Um, but, but because I don't know where you are and where you stand on this, I want to share a couple things with you really quickly. This is, is important, but it's also messy. Amen? Anybody ever opened this thing before? Anybody ever had trouble with some of the things you read in here? Well, congratulations, you're going to love Paul. Because there's going to come stuff we're going to go over and we're all going to look at each other like, wait, what? What is he saying? And that's cool. That's awesome. The Bible is, is I read, read this quote and I thought it was, it was worth repeating. It was by Rachel Held Evans, and I don't know if you've read her book. She's kind of quirky, but she has a weird relationship with the Bible. She kind of went away from it and came back, and I love that, right? That's honest. And she said this, which I completely agree with. The Bible rarely behaves. The Bible rarely behaves. You're not in here studying a history book that no one's going to argue with. You're in here reading something that transformed the world and transforms lives. And it's alive. The guy that we're going to read about, Paul, the author of Ephesians and Titus and Philemon, here's the thing about him. So there's like, who knows how many books there are in the New Testament? Anybody? I didn't until like the other day. How about that? 27, 66 total, 27 in the New Testament. You know how many he wrote? He wrote like 13 of them. So this guy has something to say, and God was put the stamp of approval on it. So I can't wait to hear how we respond to what he has to say. But I want you to know this about this book. I want you to know a couple of things as you're looking at it. Like I said, um, it was not just written by guys. It was inspired by the Lord, Okay. Also, uh, this, this book, who knows, I ask this every time, do y'all know what this is about, who this is about, who's the main character and who this is about? Sunday school answer. It's about Jesus. You're in it, don't get me wrong, but if you came here to try to read about, okay, how do I fix Chris, like, today, like, I need an Instagram meme, and I need to be super cute, and we need to do it real fast. It's not the right class. <laughs> 
I mean, it, you know, things will get fixed, but I promise you, when you approach his word this way, this thing is all about Jesus from day one, from, from page one to the very, very end. And in the midst of understanding who Jesus Christ is and who God the creator is and the Holy Spirit who dwells in you when you accept Jesus as your savior, you know what you're gonna get an understanding of? You. You're gonna get to know more about your life. You're gonna get to know more about how to apply this practically to your life in Flower Mound, Texas when you're standing in line at the self-checkout at Target. Who hates those? I hate those. I hate those. Okay, sorry, squirrel. (laughs) She just shushed me. That was good. This word, I want you to know this. A couple of quick things before we move into this. Number one, it's accurate. And this is what I want you to understand. This word is accurate. You've heard things. I don't know what your history is with God's word, but you've heard things that say there are discrepancies. Let me share a fact with you. We have over one, uh, excuse me, we have over 10,000 fragments from which we compile and verify the accuracy of the Bible, which is thousands more, hear me, thousands more than Homer or Aristotle's works. You know those things that you read way back when, well, some of y'all are, it wasn't that long ago, in school, and they're like, this is history, and this is truth, and this guy lived, and he wrote this, and this happened, and you just said, okay, I believe it. Thousands more fragments of this book than those. Take it in for a minute, and then think about what the world tells you over and over about this book. All of these manuscripts, fragments, and scrolls, and parchments have been checked and double-checked for mismatches. A mismatch is also known as a variant. If you see something that says there's variants, a lot of times I'll have people say, yeah, but there's error. There's error. Well, no, there are variant errors, and what those are are usually like, sometimes they're a letter turned sideways. Sometimes it's a, it's a instead of a therefore, it said a but. Or sometimes it's a small, tiny little fragment of a sentence that's removed or moved into a different order. It doesn't change the meaning of the word, and it doesn't change the story of salvation, okay? There are no mismatches or fragments that conflict with the meaning of God's word. It's accurate. Second thing, nothing is hidden. Every known variant on this Bible from the very beginning of time that we ever found these these pieces of this Bible, um, they're cataloged. Nothing is hidden, and nothing is secret. And the third thing I want you to understand is there's evidence. Historians, agnostic historians, people that that don't believe anything is true about the inerrancy of this word. They may not necessarily even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They will tell you this. There's more historical evidence that Jesus Christ lived on this earth during the time that it says he did than any other person in that period of time. Agnostic historians, guys. It's accurate. There's nothing hidden and there's evidence. And you're choosing to take this on and understand about the God who created the heavens and the earth and loves us so much that some of it he keeps super mysterious and some of it he protects us from understanding. Amen? Because there are some things, and we're going to hit some of them in Ephesians. I'm just giving you a heads up. There's some things that we're going to go over and you're going to be like, hey, but I want to understand the why behind that. I want to understand the answers to that. And God's going to say, this is not yours to understand. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to dwell in the what? We're going to dwell in the, I don't know, people. My friend Jen Wilkins says that often, and I've always loved that phrase. She said, you know, there's going to come times when you get to a question and you get to a passage, and you're like, I just don't know. And God's going to go, yeah, but I do. It's okay to not know. If you already know, if you're a scholar on the book of Ephesians, will you raise your hand? Because I would love to pass this off, (laughs) because I am not. There's things I don't know. There's things you don't know. There's things you're going to walk out of here and you're still not going to know, but one 
does. The Bible is accurate. The Bible is, is, is evidence for a Jesus who came to this earth to die, to live and to die for you. God tells us that uh, his word is a light unto our path, Psalm 119. Anybody ever heard that or sang that or anything? Yeah, it, well, it's actually true. This is going to light the way for the path that we follow as long as we are following true north. Amen? And that's who he is. And so as you sit down and you start to open this book and you start to look at it and you start to sit down with the word of God and you start to pray things like, God, I don't get it. Fix me. Make me, make me understand. I mean, that's a great prayer. He loves stuff like that. You've heard me talk now for about 10 minutes. You know that my prayers are not King James Version. Amen? I mean, he doesn't need that. You speak to him like a relationship. You speak to him like somebody you love. Like, I love you, and I'm going to talk to you the way I talk to my friends and my family. That's what he wants. He just wants your heart. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to study this thing, and we're going we're to wrestle with it, and they're gonna, we're going to encounter differences, and we're going to have um, an interpretation and opinions that are all, all over, the, over the place, and we're going to have opportunity to question and consider and not know, and it'll be good. All right, I think I've sufficiently beaten that horse. I want you to take this book now, and let's open it up to don't jump ahead, okay? I'm so serious about this. There's an introduction. It's right after the table of contents should be page I-1. I number all my pages in a very logical format. Are you happy about that? I-1. We're going to go over a couple things. I want you to understand what to expect with um, this class. And then um, what we're going to do is we're going to cover some of that. I'm going to go over it pretty fast. Know this. The next couple of weeks, we're going to do Bible study a little bit differently. Well, Don mentioned you're going to go to your small group first next week. Your small group leader will remind you of that. And then when you come in here, we'll do the lecture part like I always do. I'll cover the scripture that we read during the week, during our homework. But every week for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to kind of give you a little primer. Like next week, I'm going to go over some stuff that's in the appendix that might be helpful to you when you study at home. And then, you know, little tips and tricks and that sounds so cheesy. Anyway, some things. So don't feel like if you don't totally fully grasp everything that's going to happen over the next 11 weeks today, it's cool. We got this. We're going to get you prepared for every week as we go through it, okay? We're in it together. Good? All right. Okay. In, in the introduction, it says, uh, I think the very first thing you're going to see is that little definition, a little explanation about what our Bible study is. One thing I want to point out to you, I love the idea of this, that letters that Paul wrote, and again, we're going to talk about that in a minute because what we're reading is a letter. They were intended to be circulated. And so they were intended to be read by the recipient, but they were also intended to be read by many people. We are those people. How cool is that? I got love letters from my grandparents from World War II, and it's so cool that I have them now. And my mom has shared them with me and my siblings, and we get to look and we get to observe and see. Okay, it's not that my grandpa was writing them to granddaughter Chris. It's that he was writing them. I knew who he was. I knew what he was going through, what was happening, and I knew what was, what was happening at home and who he was writing it to. But that doesn't mean that I don't get something incredible out of it, right? I mean, I have it framed on my dining room wall because it means the world to me. That's what these letters are. You may not have been, it may not have said to Rachel, to Don, to Lauren, to Susan, but it definitely was intended to be circulated to us today. So know that we are the masses and we get to read these letters and glean, glean truth from them, okay? Study objectives. Uh, if you've been in our class before, you know that we really have two objectives. It's pretty easy. It's not to become a biblical scholar for Ephesians. If you want to do that, there's a bunch of seminaries you can go to. We're not doing that here. All we're doing here is trying to understand the character of God more deeply. 
wherever you are. This may be your first Bible study. You may not own a Bible. That's cool. I got great news for you in just a minute. You may have done 100 million Bible studies. You may be at odds with God right now. I've been there. It doesn't matter. All we want you to do is walk out of here and go, did I discover the character of God deeply in this Bible study? All right, check. Okay. The second objective is this, that you can understand that the entirety of his word is relevant to how you live your life today in the self-checkout line at Target and all the other places. Okay. That's it. Those are our objectives. It's not get every page of your homework done. It's not be, have perfect attendance. I mean, I'll give you a ribbon if, if you're that kind of, if you need that, it's fine. But those are our objectives. So, so release yourself right now from perfection, okay? A good friend of mine says this often. Perfection is the enemy of good. It's true. None of us are going to get this perfectly right, but we're going to do our very best, okay? Turn the page to page 2, um, I-2. Let me go over our format just a little bit. You are going to uh, notice. Okay, first of all, did you notice if you've done our Bible studies before that your book's a little heavier? Did you freak out? Chill out. Guess what? Every scripture you're going to cover over the entire course of the 11 weeks is in this. Isn't that cool? So, I mean, I love, I like to use an old-timey paper book Bible. Some of you may use your phone or whatever. Use it however you want to do it, but I wanted you to have all the scripture right here with you everywhere you go. So when you're in carpool line and you're like, oh, I don't have a Bible. Oh, no, you so do. (laughs) You have it. Um, And then we'll get to this in a minute, but did everybody get the super cute little thing of pins and the bookmarks? Guys, that was not my idea. It's such a cool thing, though, right? We'll get to that in a minute, but I'm going to, each page, when you see the scripture in there, we're going to give you some guidelines and and suggest that you do some highlighting. So at the end of it, you have this colorful book that shows you all of these promises and commands and character of God, and it's going to be awesome. Okay, but I'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead. Okay, back to this. Back to page two. Class format. It's the same as normal. If you've been with us before, if you haven't, what we do is we provide you like a week's worth of homework. I break it out by five-day increments. So that way, hey, there's seven days in a week, right? So you get two days off. Yay. Not off. Don't take God's word off, right, Don? Yes. Five days of homework. We tried to make it a manageable bite-sized pieces, right? So you have five breakouts of homework. You do them however you want. Some people do them all in one sitting, whatever. You're going to arrive um, to, to Bible study. So next week, you're going to come to Bible study, and your small group leader is going to go over this with you. And you're going to hopefully have completed lesson two homework, okay? And then when you go into your small group time, y'all are going to hang out, chit-chat, and all that stuff. And then you're going to pray, and you're going to discuss the homework. And your small group leader is going to direct that discussion, and she will throw a chair at you if you break any of the, um, the, the guidelines. She'll throw stuff. I, we have fully given them license to throw things, and they've been working out. So I'm just saying watch yourself. No, we want that small group discussion time, and they'll talk about that a little bit more. We want that to be a time where you get to share, like, God shows you stuff, and you're going to be blown away, I'm telling you right now, because already all of us who've already had the book for a couple weeks have started in on it, and we're like, man, he's showing us things that we had no idea were there, so it's going to be an awesome time, so if you can get there on time, do your very best to do it. They will begin and end on time every time, okay? Now, if you're going to be late, If you didn't get your homework done, come anyway. If you forgot your book, come anyway. It's fine. We're not checking your homework. We're not checking, oh, Shiva's late. So that's like three lates. That means enough. You know, we're not doing any of that. Sometimes we roll in as best we can with like a robe on. I told them, I'm like, I feel like I have a robe on. It's awesome. 
just do what you can. We want you here. The beauty of the way this is broken out, you spend time in God's word at home. You come to small group. You talk about it. Then you come in here. I talk about it some. Three times you're going to have encountered this particular passage during this one week. You're going to have stuff. You're going to have time at home where you're going to, God's going to show you things. And, and then you're going to come to small group, and he's going to show you completely different things because of this girl sitting in the chair next to you that has a different story than you do. And it's going to blow your mind away. And then you're going to come in here, and if you need to nap, you nap. Go. I don't care. I'm not going to call you out. If you want to doodle, you doodle. But if you want to hear, then fine. God's telling me some stuff to tell you, and I'll share it, and we'll see what happens, right? Three times, though, God's going to use your time with him to show you things in this book about who he is. And in turn, you're going to understand more about who you are. It's, it's kind of amazing. That's our class format. The study layout's going to look a little different if you've done our studies before, and we'll get to it again. Don't flip forward. I'm watching you, Carol Wright. I'm watching you, watching you. The study layout looks a little different. You're going to open in a minute. We're going to go to the first week of homework. I'm going to show you. There's a page, and I wrote a whole bunch of things, some questions. It's really just kind of some fluff. Then you're going to turn the page, and here's what's cool. I mentioned there's five breakouts, five daily breakouts of homework. Here's what's awesome. Day one homework, you're going to have two open pages like this, and the scripture will be on one side, and then your four questions. Did you hear what I just said? How many questions are you going to do? Four. four. Have you been in my Bible studies before? Have I ever written a day of homework with only four questions? I mean, I'm notorious for things like skim the book of Job. Like, <laughs> skim the book. Skim, go skim it. I dare you to skim it. I'm telling you, this is going to blow your mind, how you're going to have so, I mean, it's four questions. Every day of homework is four questions. Not 10 disguised as, not 20 disguised as 10, like I normally do. Four. Okay? We're going to get to that in a minute. I'll explain it. But again, you're going to have all your scripture right there on your page so you can carry it around with you. You're going to have those daily homework pages. There's going to be, okay, the daily homework page is going to be two parts. One's a resource page and one's a soap page. I'll explain that in a minute. At the end of your lesson, not the first week, I gave you a break. At the next week, week three, here's what's cool. We hear you. We've had so many women say, hey, I like your Bible study, and I like what y'all do at Rock Point, but I want to go deeper. I want to go a little bit deeper with, with my study, and I have more time, and I want to do that. I have put in this book lots of optional moments for you to go deeper if you can, but they're optional. That's the cool part. There's this going deeper section you're going to find at the end of, I think it starts at week three. Week three goes all the way through to week 11. There's a last page of homework. It looks just like the other five pages of homework or five sections of homework. And it's just an Old Testament scripture that we've put in that goes kind of along with what you're reading and it'll just kind of take you a deeper place. Um, later in the study, I'm not going to go over that today, but there's also going to be um, text that I include that's Old Testament that goes along with your Ephesians, all optional. You can just not even read it. You can cover it up. I just told you you can cover it up. You don't have to do it. But we wanted to give you opportunity because as you get into this, I think it's going to blow your mind, man. I think you're going to get to these places where you're like, I want more, I want more. And so we tried to give you more, okay? Again, those are optional. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, what I do want to cover, right? Oh, and then at the end of every um, lesson uh, section, there's going to be a lecture page. And it's just basically a blank page. You can take lecture notes or you can use it as a pillow or you can doodle. Fine, whatever. It's totally your thing. It's your paper. The SOAP method, that's what I want to talk about. So Don mentioned we're going to do a little different format. Um, we are. We're doing a little different format. Usually when we've done Bible studies in the past, 
Chris writes some questions, and then we answer the Chris questions, and then we come and talk about them, right? What we decided this time is it's time to shake things up a little bit in a good way. And rather than me write 20 questions and pretend like it's only 10, we're going to give you breakouts of Scripture each week, and we're going to give you opportunity to answer four questions. And the four questions follow along with this SOAP format, and that's what I'm going to go over right now. It's on page I-3. But here's how I want you to approach your Bible study. Not just want you to. I, I highly recommend you do. Because what you will find, and, and the beautiful thing is, let me press pause. We're going to have, starting next week, you're going to have members of your leadership team stand up here before I start talking. And they're going to share with you some things that they studied that week in their Bible study. And it'll be so encouraging because everybody is going to see different things. But one of the things um, our evening RHP shared, Jessica, she said, you know what's crazy is before, when I first started sitting down to do this and I didn't pray first, I felt like some of it just didn't make sense. And then I stopped and went, oh wait, I should maybe invite God into this thing. And she said, and then I prayed and it was like, I saw stuff. And, and that's really, really, really a real thing. Amen. And so if you look up here, I said, here's the basic process that we're going to approach each day at homework. The first thing you're going to do is what? What does it say? You're going to pray. I mentioned before, God doesn't have a requirement for the number of words that you use or the number of syllables in the words that you use or the language in which you, pre you pray. God wants to hear from you. And you know what? Some of my prayers, I mean, you're going to get to know me real good and you're going to laugh because some of my prayers sound like this. God, I do not want to study your word today. Can you make me want to do this? I mean, he loves that, guys. God, I, I do not understand this. I don't understand this guy, Paul. I don't understand why he wrote a letter to these people that seemed like everything was going okay. And why was he talking about marriage and slaves? And I don't want to read this. Why do, help me want to read this. And it's shocking to me how he listens. Spend time praying before you begin. Let him guide you. You don't have to have fancy words. In fact, I highly recommend you don't. I think it's probably a relief to him. I think sometimes he's probably like, come on now. Enough with the fancy words. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to read. Okay? Who can read? Anybody? Okay, if you can't read, then you can find someone who can. All we're going to do is read Scripture. We're going to pray first. We're going to read it. This is what we're not going to do. We, we are not going to look for, um, what does this say to me today to apply to my life? We're not going to read it and say, um, um, when, when it does say things, what am I looking for it to say? Because I've heard Ephesians says this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read it, and you know what we're going to, you ready? This is going to blow your mind. We're going to read what it really says, what it actually says, and who it actually said it to, and who actually wrote it. And then that other stuff, what does it say to me? What do I do with it with my life? How do I apply it? That comes later. First thing you're going to do is sit down and just read it. Read it with an open heart. Pray first. Um, one of the things that I do often, I'm going to recommend often, you're going to see me telling you all the time, go read it in a different translation. This Bible study, everything that's written in here will be in the ESV version, okay? That's just kind of what we use at our church. It's standard translation. It's real similar to NIV or other things that people have. If your Bible is not ESV, then okay, that's cool too. Because I'll tell you what, the greatest tool you have are all those different um, translations. Because there are different groups of people that have gotten together and taken the original Greek and Hebrew, and they've translated it into words that help us understand it. Anybody ever read or looked at the message? It's a cool paraphrase, isn't it? Now, it's not a word-for-word -word translation, so I recommend you always have like an ESV or NIV or 
I don't know, New King James or I don't know, whatever suits you. But have something like that as your basic understanding of the word and then go read stuff like, you know, the message. Go read, oh my gosh, one of my favorite versions is NIRV. Write it down. NIRV. It's like little kid baby language. It's the best. It's like they take these, and he writes in long sentences, I'm going to warn you. They take these sentences and break them into like four-word sentences. I'm like, this is more my brain style. NIRV, it's cool. But I recommend you go read it a couple times in some different versions. And, and in the appendix, and I'm going to talk about this next week, and feel free to go flip through it, not now, later. I give you some, you know, some websites and some things you can go, but like, I, I love websites, and I'm a geek, I get it, I know I'm a nerd, but I will like pull up Ephesians 1, 1 through 6, and I'll like pull it up in Bible Gateway in like four versions and put them in panes on my computer, and I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> but it is, it's cool, because sometimes I don't understand it in the ESV. I went to tech, and no, I'm just joking. Um, you can do that to your own school. It's loud. You can say stuff like that. No, um, sometimes I do. I just need to, to, to see it in a couple of different ways, and then I have more of an understanding. So I highly recommend you do that. So you're going to pray, and then you're going to read. And then what's going to happen is you're going to open up your Bible to, um, I mean, your Bible study, and you're going to have these two pages that open. I'm going to get you there in a minute, but I want you to follow along here. And we're going to use what's called the SOAP method. Anybody heard of it? Anybody? Look, they're like, yeah, we've heard. Anybody do um, Ecclesiastes with us? You came back. <laughs> awesome. It's great. That was something, wasn't it? Aren't you glad we're in the New Testament? It's going to be fun. Um, the last week of Ecclesiastes, we introduced this method. It's a method that's widely used and known, and sometimes it has other acronyms, but it's beautiful. And you know why? Because here's what it requires. You and this. And if you got a pen, bonus. And, and honestly, it's kind of how I prepare for lecture. And you're going to see some stuff like that kind of come up. You'll see that as you read, you're going to see things that kind of pop to the surface that maybe your best friend that's sitting next to you, she's like, I did not see that. And that's the beautiful thing about what God does. So the way this is going to work, there's going to be four questions, and those questions are going to correlate directly with these different letters, S-O-A-P. Okay, following along, got that? So S, the first question is going to say something like, um, write out any, any individual verses or words or, or phrases that you, that you noticed that really stuck out to you when you read this passage. Notice it doesn't say uh, you need to write every, rewrite every word of Scripture that's on the left-hand page that you're looking at. You don't have to do that. But there are definitely going to be sections that, I mean, like you're going to read six verses for a day of homework, which, by the way, let's talk about, that's like the most you're going to read. Mostly you're going to have like three, four verses to deal with in a homework day. That's, that's, you can handle that. But there may come, you may read those four sentences, if you will, and one just comes up to the surface and you're like, oh, that gutted me. Or it may be one that comes up to the surface and you're like, I don't like that one bit. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it says, but I don't like it. But I'm going to challenge you. Whatever those are, you write them in that first question. What, whatever scripture kind of comes up, you get to decide. There's no right or wrong. It's not who, what did you get, what did you get. It's what did God show you, okay? That's the first question. Physically write out that scripture. The second question is this. Um, what observations did you, did you find when you approached this section of scripture? Now, observations is a fancy word for see. What do you see? And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about some, you know, amazing, deep, theological, profound, doctrinal truth. I'm talking about, were there some words repeated? 
Did you see like, okay, I'm a grammar nerd. You're going to learn that fast. I look, I see verbs all the time. I'm like, ooh, he did this, 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 and this, and this. Look at all these verbs listed. Or I see things like connector words. Anybody? Like therefore or but or words that connect that you're like, there's a reason that that word is used there. Right? It's interesting. We'll get to this in a minute. You'll see in, in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are connected by one word. First three chapters, this word, then, this, then the last three chapters. You know what that word is? Therefore. Matters. He gives us three chapters of this is what you need to understand about what you believe. Therefore, this is three chapters about what you're going to do with that. So therefore is a word that has power. So when you go through the observations, I, my observation section, my answers usually look like a bulleted list. You do whatever you want. But sometimes it'll be like, you know, this, this word stuck out to me. Or you may write about the characters. Okay, in this part, he, he mentions this guy, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, and this is who that is. And then you may mention, okay, um, Paul talks about this city here. Okay, write the name of the city. Just little things that you observe. And it's actually a good practice for when you have kids and they're trying to retain information when they read things at homework, right? You're always telling them to look. What do you observe about this passage? So this is not some, some deep, this is really like just what do you see? And the third question is application. And we talked about that before. We don't want to jump ahead and try to apply this scripture to our lives before we've actually asked ourselves, what does it say? Who is it speaking to? What was happening at the time? What are the actual words that were used? We usually want to shortcut our way out of that and just go to the Instagram meme. Am I right? Just a super cute little clip that I can just put up and, okay, I'm going to live by that verse today. Application has to be earned. And that's how we're going to approach it. We're going to approach it then with the third question is, okay, so you've written out some scripture, you've prayed. Remember, you did that thing. You, you prayed, and then you wrote some scripture out, and then you said, oh, I saw some stuff. This is what I saw. And then you're going to get to application. You're going to write out how those things might be personal to you. Uh, a great example. I, we, we, in the first week of homework, we're going to read, and don't think you're in the wrong class. The first week of homework, we don't even look at Ephesians. And you're going to be like, wait, <laughs> we bait and switch. No. The first week of homework is background on our author, Paul. And so it's all from the book of Acts. I've pulled little pieces of the book of Acts to try to compile like a big thing about him so that when you open Ephesians and you read chapter 1, verse 1, you know a lot about the guy that wrote it. Amen? That's important. When I read my grandma and grandpa letters, I need to know about who wrote it, what was going on at the time, or it wouldn't make sense. Is that, is that clear? So one of the things that was kind of interesting about application, I, I'm a little bit ahead because I got the book first. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, when I did my homework, we read, I, I'm going to give you this portion of scripture where you're going to read about a guy named Stephen, and you're going to read about a guy named Saul, and, and you're going to see what happens in that passage. And what's funny is when I approached it, because I picked it, so I kind of had an idea, right? I didn't think that God was going to, the application that came out of it was not what I thought. I, I thought it was going to be about the guy Saul, because that's who we're going to talk about a lot in this Bible study, but it was actually about the guy Stephen. And when I read it, I'm like, whoa, man, I think I'm, I'm supposed to be more like Stephen and less like Saul. And it kind of like blew my mind that God was showing me these applications that I came with this, what am I going to look for it saying? I came with this attitude of, of, of what does it say to Chris? When really God's like, would you just put those things aside and listen to what I'm saying and I'm going to show you the application. You don't get to choose it. That's what's going to blow your mind. Those moments where you think you already know what it says and you already know what it means, 
and God says, actually, I wanted it to mean a little something different to you today. You're going to, it's cool. Anyway, application, that's what that is. So you're going to write out, like, um, is there something you're dealing with right now? Is there something that you dealt with in the past? Is there something you're anticipating in the future that maybe this particular passage is going to speak to? Maybe it's going to be a particular character in that passage that you're going to go, whoa, I just read seven verses, and I just, I'm focusing in now on three words. God, did you do that on purpose? And he's going to be up there like, I'm showing off. That's what he does. Application. Remember, there's, sometimes there's actions you take. Sometimes your application looks like this. I got nothing. Right? Sometimes in your homework, that's a big blank space, and that's okay, too, because sometimes you come to your small group time, and you're sitting next to a girl that you've never met before who has a completely different background and a completely different story and a completely different set of circumstances, and she says something, and you're like, that's it. That's what I was supposed to hear. Trust that he will show you things. Sometimes they're not going to be what you think you're looking for. Okay? So the first question is going to be about scripture. The second question will be about what did you observe. Third question will be about application. Fourth question is back to prayer. Write out a prayer. And again, your prayer can be this. Hey, God, I got nothing out of that. Amen. Hey, God, thanks for showing me stuff that I had no idea. Hey, God, thanks for showing me things about me that I had no idea. Hey, God, you know that one, that one verse that you had, the whole thing about Stephen and all the things that he did, and, and you, you kind of showed me in my life how I'm not doing those things? God, make me be more like him. And it's not necessarily when you get to your small group that somebody's going to go, I mean, first of all, you know this. If you haven't been to our studies before, your leader will not call on you, okay? She's not going to look at you and be like, what did you write for your prayer? You share it if you want to share it. If you don't, you don't. It's okay. This is for you, and this is for God, okay? You're not performing for anybody. The prayer. So you're going to write out a prayer asking God to help you apply what you've learned, and sometimes praying his word back to him is like a cool thing. If you ever want to know some things to pray back to him, I, I went through a thing this summer um, where I was completely kind of um, paralyzed, and I couldn't pray, and you know what I did? I opened the book of Psalms. Those are all prayers. So if you get kind of stuck, and you're like, I don't know what to say, I don't know. Just open the book of Psalms and start saying those things. Okay? So, let's do this. The next page, um, I-4. And I'm gonna, again, I'm going to open up the homework with you in a minute, so don't just chill. The next page, there's some diagrams. I'm going to cover that next week. You do not need that for this week's homework because um, this week's homework is super straightforward. Okay? So next week, we'll go back. Feel free to look at it on your own if you want. Look at the study guidelines. I'm going to go over this, and then we are going to get right into the background of Ephesians. Study guidelines. If you've been in our classes before, you know this. Avoid outside commentaries. Avoid outside commentaries. Anybody have a super cool, like, big, fat, thick Bible, like, study Bible? Yeah, aren't they the best? Like, at life application Bibles, those are great, right? What about apologetics, all that stuff? Okay, I got news. Don't read any of those things. You can read the Bible part, let's be clear. Um, but when you have a big Bible, which is awesome, and I have a couple that I love, 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 but when you're doing this study, I want to really encourage you to avoid reading those commentaries because all those words at the bottom are written by a bunch of smart guys, okay? And they're awesome, and they have great things to say, just like podcasts, just like um, internet articles, just like magazine articles. I want to ask you lovingly slash no, not ask, tell you, 
Don't read that stuff before you approach scripture. So for example, if I give you homework that says, go read Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 6. Don't go find what Matt Chandler said about Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 6. Because while Matt Chandler has great things to say, and I highly recommend you go listen to his stuff on Ephesians, if you listen before you approach this, this, this word and before you actually sit down and do your homework, you're going to have Matt Chandler in your ear telling you what to see. You make, does that make sense? What we're trying to do here is get real with God and say, okay, what do you want to show me? And then afterward, after you come to class and you talk about it with your people, and then after you come in here and hear me say some stuff, which again, I'm a commentary. I'm just telling you some things I think. Then you go home and go, you know what? I don't know about that. I'm going to go listen to what Matt said. I'm going to go listen to what Ron said. I'm going to go read um, whatever, this, this awesome whatever blog that I read, okay? Do that later. Don't do it before. Those are commentaries, and they're going to affect the way you approach God's word. Make sense? Okay. So we're going to avoid those things as we go through the study. There are tools, however, that you can use that will enhance everything that you're doing here. If you have a Bible that has cross-references, my Bible does not, but some of them do, like, in the, um, like in the margin, in the middle, you'll see other Bible verses listed. And you know what's neat about that? It's like somebody has gone ahead and taken, like, um, there's words that are in common. What we'll notice about Paul when he writes, I told you he wrote like a whole bunch of letters. He uses a lot of the same words over and over in his different letters. So a lot of those cross-references will be like, this was said again in Romans, and he said this in Philippians, and, he, and it's fun fun. It's fun to go flip over and say, like, where did he use that word and in what context? Okay? Those cross-references will help you maybe come back and go, oh, so maybe what he meant here was this. They help support kind of what you're doing. So cross-references, look in the back of your Bible. You have concordances. You have subject indexes. All of that is awesome. Anything that refers you back to other parts of the Bible, use it. Use any different verses you want to use to kind of help you understand what you're reading. We, we encourage that. I mentioned before um, alternate versions of the Bible. I'm going to encourage you in the homework even to, to go do that. Um, dictionaries and thesauruses. We think a lot of times, at least I do, I'll come across like this was hilarious. I think it's in, I really literally think it's like in the very first verse of Ephesians. He uses the word apostle. Okay, well, I know what that means. Well, go look it up. It's kind of awesome when you go look up words that you think you know what they mean, and then you hear Webster's definition of what they actually mean, and and it kind of helps you look at them with a little bit of a different lens. So I highly recommend doing that too. Avoid commentaries, use tools, okay? In the back of your book, like I mentioned, there's an appendix. Feel free to go home and check them out. I gave you some tools, some websites, but I am going to go over that next week, so if you want to skip it, skip it. We'll cover it next week. Okay, last thing we're going to do before we get into some Ephesians background and then you run like the wind to your classes and meet your groups. Um, well, don't walk briskly. Is that better? Walk briskly. Open up to um, page 2-1. I just want you to take a look at a lesson. And again, in your groups, hopefully you'll have a little time with your leaders to look at that. All I want you to do is just get a visual on what you're going into. Okay, 2-1. Those are my words. Just some things. Okay. Skip right over that. You just read that. Okay, cool. Next page, you'll see how you have day one homework. Do you see how it's laid out into two parts? 2-2. So I I wrote some words at the top. Usually I won't. I just did because that's your first day of homework. There's scripture underneath it. You see where it says Acts 7, 54 through 8. Three, okay, remember, don't be tricked. The first week we're doing a lot of Acts, only because we're understanding our author, okay? You're going to read about the history of Paul. 
So there's your scripture for, for day one. That's it. You're going to read that. Now, at the bottom of that page, you can see that we've given you some guidelines on how to highlight. And I really hope, again, this is completely optional and no one's going to ask to see your paper, okay? But I really hope you'll do it. Because what's so cool is at the end of this thing, when you're flipping through your book and you see, ah, I could get, and you see all these pink things, and you're like, God promised me this? Wait, he promised me this? And then you look at it and you see all this blue stuff, and you're like, this is who God is? God's this, and he's this, and he's this. And, and it's going to be amazing because it's going to make the scripture come alive to you and become more applicable to your life. So take the time. They, hey, guys, they put those little markers in baggies and twist-tied them, okay? It was like took some time. There's also a cool little bookmark. That'll help you keep your spot. Use those. They're really super cute. Okay, so you'll notice on the right-hand side, you remember how I mentioned there's the four questions? Okay. At the top of every one of your right-hand side soap pages, I've reminded you, S is for scripture, O is for observation, A is for application, P is for prayer. There's a title, a spot for a title. You're like, yeah, what is the title? That's part of the fun. When you read this passage of scripture, come up with a title for it, or don't, whatever, but do. It's, it's so fun. I mean, it's, I keep saying fun. Y'all are really, I can like feel your eye rolling right now. But the title thing is cool because it does kind of help you frame and thesis eyes. I just made that word up. You're welcome. It kind of gives you, you know what I'm saying? Like it kind of gives you this, this understanding or this theme for what you're reading. Once you read it, I guarantee you words are going to come right out and you're going to be like, oh, this is what the title is for mine. Nobody's going to check it. It can be whatever weird title you want it to be. But it helps you. It also, we suggested to put a date because here's what I find so cool. And I know you're all going to nod your heads. If you study the book of Ephesians before, you're about to study it again, and God's going to show you different things, right? Why is that? Because you're at a different place on your path, right? You're at a different part of life. I love that. He shows us all these different things. So how cool to date it and be able to flip back someday and go, man, he showed me this on this day, and this is what I know to be true now. I gave myself chills just now. That was really cool. So date it, title it. So the four questions are written out. Your whole week of first week of homework, I have written the questions out for you because I love you so very much. So every day of homework, you will have a scripture passage on the left and you will have four questions on the right and then you will come back to class and everybody will be happy. Got it? Don't jump ahead. In the future, I'm going to give you a little bit more, and it's a lot of optional stuff, but we're going to talk about that next week, okay? Because this week, before you run briskly, quickly to your groups, what we need to do is we need to go over a little bit of background on the book of Ephesians. Anybody in? We're going to do it? Okay. So turn back to page 1-1. You'll see I've given you a big blank page that says Lesson 1 Background, and we're going to rock through this real fast and then dismiss you to your groups, okay? All right. It looks like this. And you don't have to take notes if you don't want. Nobody's going to check. 1-1. Ephesians background. All right. There's six questions. We're going to answer them quickly. Six questions. Some of them I think you already know. Um, who wrote Ephesians? Paul. Hey, you guys are so smart. Good job. Uh, I want to share one little tidbit of information. You're going to love this. Um, we've, we also hear him referred to as what? There's another name. And if you don't know, it's cool. Just move your mouth. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Saul. Yeah. Sometimes he's called Saul. Sometimes he's called Paul. Who's confused by that? Thank you. Me too. 
Um, let me clarify something for you. And I had always believed that it was like, you know, because God does this thing a lot in the Old Testament. He changes names, and names have meaning, and it's so cool. And so I always kind of assumed that when Jesus converted Paul, um, that he changed his name. But you know what? That's actually not true at all. Did you know that? I did not know that either. So there you go. If you leave with one piece of information, there was no name change. Here's what you need to understand. When you see Saul, and we see it earlier in the letters, and, and you'll see it, excuse me, in, in the history of Paul, when you read this week, you'll see him referred to Saul, Saul of Tarsus. You'll see that a lot. It's because that is his name from his Hebrew upbringing. That's his Hebrew name, Saul. Okay? Now, the thing about him is he has this traditional Jewish background, and so he's named after the first Israel king, whose name was what? I'm just checking to see if y'all are awake. Yeah, Saul. That's probably, we don't know that for sure, but probably a lot of times they did that in the tradition, the Jewish tradition, they named after um, great um, members of their heritage that they, and he was from the tribe of Benjamin, so that was probably what he was named after. Now, later on, and in the book of, of, of Ephesians, you're going to see him referred to as Paul. Here's why. That's his Roman name. So it's basically just like the same name, but a different version. He is a Roman citizen by birth, okay? But he, he is a Jewish um, descendant by birth as well. Stop for a minute and think about this, about our guy, Saul Paul, okay? Here's what's cool. We're going to learn a lot of cool stuff about how, what God allows to happen in the life of this guy and why he ends up writing 13 books, the majority of the New Testament, and here's what we're going to learn about him. We're going to learn that God takes a guy that has this deep, amazing understanding and background of the Word of God an Israelite, that he was considered a Pharisee, which we'll talk more about that later. It wasn't necessarily, that's not always negative. Sometimes it's just talking about these guys that knew so much about the Word of God, and they knew so much about these 300-some-odd rules and regulations that, that we think we're supposed to follow when we're Jewish. And he thought, that's how I'm loving the God of the universe. He knows all these things, but here's what's cool. He's also a Roman citizen. So what we don't know when we're Paul walking on the road to Damascus before our conversion is God has fully intended to bring together the church full of, of Jewish people and Gentile people. You know who the Gentile people are? Probably all of us. They're people that, have, that would, did not come from that Jewish descent. So he takes a guy who has all of this, but he also has this because the Roman people will listen to him because he's actually a Roman citizen, and he's going to take that life and use it for his glory for half of the New Testament. Saul, Paul, same guy, no name change, different references. Got it? All right, how do we know that he wrote it? He said so. Is that good? Okay. No, there's a lot of different reasons. I'm going to try to move quickly. Um, he has personal knowledge of the readers. We'll find out why in a little bit. He has, there's lots of hints. He refers to himself as a prisoner. He talks about um, how he was divinely appointed. He's presently suffering. Those are all things that were going on in Paul's life. Um, we also know that it's consistent with the structure of the other letters that he wrote. That's what's cool, too, is we have all these different documents that he wrote. We can lay them side by side and go, oh, yeah. Paul always says that. Like, you'll know quick. I have a lot of words that I say over and over. And, and that's the way I write letters, too, right? Like, I have, a, I have a voice. And so does Paul. So that's how we know it was him. Um, when was it written? It was written between, we estimate, between 60 and 62 A.D. During Paul's first Roman imprisonment. And what you're going to learn a lot about Paul is he goes through a lot of really hard stuff. And it's funny, when I was studying and coming up with this, I read this book. I got this book off Amazon. You're going to love it. 
the title of the book is How to Like Paul Again. Because a lot of people got issues with Paul. Anybody have a Paul issue? It's okay. I won't judge you. Yeah, I know. I know some of you do. It's funny because a lot of people have issues with him because he was such a bad dude. We're going to read about that. He had did so many things, and then God chooses him and uses him. It's cool. So we're going to learn a lot about him, but it was probably written during his imprisonment. He went through a lot of really bad stuff and, um, and pr- pretty much put all the, the, the beautiful, wonderful things about his, his Jewish heritage that he probably um, could have cashed in on, and he threw him in the trash can to go follow this, this way that made no sense and that people wanted to kill him for. That's Paul. So while he wrote this letter of encouragement, I want you to always remember that, he's writing from prison. He was imprisoned in his home, but he was still under a guard. He was still watched, and he was there for years. So when he's writing these encouragements, he's actually imprisoned when he wrote them, um, between 60 and 62 AD. To whom was it written? I think we established that. Who is it? Yeah, the church at Ephesus. Um, Here's the thing. It was probably also passed around to all the churches in Asia Minor. Um, For the sake of time, we're going to move through this, but if you get a chance, and maybe I'll post it on Facebook or send it on email, um, if you look at at a map of Ephesus, it's actually on a harbor. It's actually right there, and there's like three major um, trading routes that come all in together. It's It's a place of power, and it's the, hey, look, it magically happened. There's a map. Um, but Ephesus at the time was the capital of Asia Minor, so it was a big, important place. Lots going on. So this church, this is what's interesting, the church was strong. It was a good, strong church. Um, some people believe that this letter was never fully intended to only go to the Ephesians. It was always intended to be circular. That's fine, too, uh, because, like, out of the, you know, hundreds of manuscripts that we have from this letter, there's, like, five that don't say the word to the Ephesians. So, okay, fine. Maybe it was a circular letter intended for Asia Minor. Well, it just went to Ephesus first, okay? There's nothing in there that takes away from the meaning of it. It was a letter that was circulated at some point, okay? Church history, uh, we'll go into more of that next week, but just know this. Paul was actually the pastor of this church for three years. Once that church was established, he stayed there, and he stayed on, and so a lot of these people he knows very personally, He stayed there longer than any other city on any other journey that he took. So this place mattered to him. Uh, In what style was it written? I think we've established that. It's a letter. Sometimes you'll see the word epistle, okay? Epistle, it's a fancy word for letter, okay? The New Testament has a whole bunch of them, but they are letters. They have an intended recipient. Um, What's so cool about what we're going to study is we're studying during this semester, a letter that was written to an entire church and then in turn circulated to several churches in the spring, we're going to listen, we're going to read two letters that were written to specific people. And I I did that on purpose. Like, I'm like, I want to hear, I want to hear a personal letter. And so that's what we're going to do in the spring, an epistle. And again, I mentioned it was probably a circular letter rotating around. Uh, Central themes of Ephesians. This is what's so cool. I love, uh, Um, Eugene Peterson, he's the guy that translated into the message uh, paraphrase. One of the things he says is Paul's letter to the Ephesians joins together what has been torn apart by a sin-wrecked world. He gives us three chapters of theology, a therefore, and then three chapters of application. It's, it's, It's so cool how he orders it in such a clear way for us. 
You know, a lot of times these letters that Paul wrote and other authors wrote, they, um, they are a problem-solving epistle. Like, for example, the um, Galatians, they were dealing with uh, some legalism issues, and so he wrote right, real specifically to that. And Philippians, they had some issues with him being in prison, and First and Second Corinthians, man, there's a lot of problems. They had a lot of things going on. And so he wrote, like, two full giant big things about all the stuff. But in this one, he's not solving a problem, and I found that interesting. It's also not a didactic letter, meaning it's not teaching something new. Instead, what this letter is, is it's reinforcing truths that they know and helping them understand how to live by those truths. And, and it's, it's cool because when you read about the, the church at Ephesus, you'll read often that it was probably the most biblically, theologically sound church at this time. And I think about us living here. We live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, amen? Like we are, there is a thousand million churches and a thousand million churches represented here and I love that but the beauty is we have opportunity to be soundly educated on God's word here what perfect letter to read right we're going to learn exposition in the first three chapters and then it's going to go to these exhortations in the third in the second portion of the book we're going to learn how there's creed but you take the creed and you make it practical And then we're going to learn how we take belief and we turn it into behavior. It's going to be so logical, and we love that about Paul. So as you read through this, there was five truths, and then I'm going to dismiss you real fast. There's five truths that seemed to kind of flow up to the top every time I was going through Paul's book. And again, we may find more, but I want you to take these five things and start watching for them as you read God's Word, okay? Then The first is this. We're going to learn real early in Paul's letter, that he is very clear about this, that he alone chose us before we ever could choose him. You know, he chose us before we could choose him. You know, you're here in this seat for a reason. And some of you, you're going to like, yeah, free child care. That's why I'm here. Hey, cool. I'm glad you're here. God tricked you to get you here. No, he's got reasons bigger than you could ever imagine. And sometimes we get two weeks in and we're like, this is why I'm here. And sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes it's farther down the road. Sometimes maybe it was five minutes ago and you're like, this is why I'm here. But God chose you. God made a plan. He's God in the universe. He chose us. Second is this, that we're unified through Christ. No matter how different you look, you speak, you see, you experience, you understand. I don't know how many different feelings and opinions we have about this book in here, but I'm going to guess when we take off our pretty church faces, we got a lot of different opinions about it. And that's the beautiful thing. Okay? It's what's so cool about this, because we are unified in Christ alone. Third, he alone saves us, period. He's got Paul, the guy that grew up knowing 316 or whatever rules and regulations. This guy knows every rule and knows how to get around every rule and how to make everything look okay. But guess what? There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to know the true God of the universe, and that's through Jesus. And he learned that the hard way. He alone saves us. Number four, don't just believe we follow him. You don't just believe, you don't just take the first three chapters of Ephesians and go, yeah, check. And then you go back and live this life that doesn't represent anything that you say you believe. You got to have true north, otherwise you're going in a million different directions and everybody's like, wait, I thought she said she believed. I don't get that. Don't just believe, follow him. And fifth, this is the last, the world is a battleground. 
and he's given us tools to survive it. He chose us. We're unified through him alone. He alone saves us. Don't just believe and follow him and trust the fact that he's given us tools to handle it. Guys, what is your true north? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as the one and only Son of God, the only one that saves, I challenge you today to ask yourself, does your life reflect the fact that you have spray-painted an arrow in the granite and you are following him? Because for me, I can't honestly tell you that it always does. So what we're going to do is we're going to approach this thing like this is a love story, man, and it's about a God who loves you so much that he brought you to Bible study and gave you free childcare. Amen? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss to our small groups. Father, you love us even when we run late. God, thank you for bringing us um, today together. I thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son. And God, for those who don't know that and don't understand that, will you, I, man, just get real with them. Get real with me. What are the places in my life that I am not following my true north, Lord, that I am all over the place? God, um, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. I thank you for the small group leaders. I thank you for um, the team that put this together. And God, we are excited about 11 weeks in the book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name, amen.